This morning I want to talk about forgiveness because there are a lot of people out there who are struggling with forgiveness. And I recently had an email from a former Bible worker. And this Bible worker emailed me and she got into a relationship. And in this relationship, she asked me, Pastor, there's one thing that would make for a successful relationship. What do you think it would be? You know, I didn't really think about it too long. And it just came out of my mouth before you even thought about it. And the word I said to her was forgiveness. Because, you know, we're going to do things wrong. We're going to make mistakes. But if the other person that you're going to marry, look for this one thing in your partner. If you can find that ability for that person to forgive you, that will make for a successful marriage. What do you say, huh? Amen? Amen. Forgiveness is the key of bitterness that's, that's hurting people, unforgiveness, um, hardness of heart, anger, resentment, whatever it may be. It's, a, it's the root cause of many sins that's going on, especially in relationships. So I said that to her, and then, then she said, then she asked a good question. She asked me this question. She said to me, well, how can you, how can you gauge that? How can you tell whether the person you're going to be, uh, want to marry actually has forgiveness, right? And I thought about that. You know, that's a very good question. How can you gauge, how can you measure someone having forgiveness? And I thought about that, and I said, you know what? It's not someone who knows about forgiveness. It's someone who has experience forgiveness what do you say amen? amen in other words you don't want someone who just intellectually knows i'm no i intellectually knows i need to forgive somebody but somebody who knows it but actually understands the true biblical way on how we are forgiven so this morning as we open god's word may god help us to have open hearts to learn the true meaning of forgiveness let us pray father we are grateful for your word and as it's open, we help us to see what it means to experience forgiveness. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, What did Jesus say about forgiveness? Know what the Bible says here. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also, what? Forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your, what? Trespasses. Okay, we know these texts. So, in other words, if we don't uh, forgive, right, we're not going to experience forgiveness. So, my question to you this one is, um, do we, does God forgive us because we forgive? How many believe that? Let me see your hands. Does God forgive us? What do you think? Does God forgive us because we forgive? You got those handouts there, right? You know, we live in a culture today that believe 99% of the people are talked to. So, you know, I need to forgive because if I don't forgive, then what? God's not going to what? You, have you, how many of you ever heard that before? Okay. Now, I want to go into this because the Spirit Prophecy has a lot to say about this. But that is not a true statement. That is a false statement. God does not forgive us because, in other words, we don't do something first, initiate, and God responds as a reward for us doing something by our works. What do you say? Amen? Amen. So we created one, out of one text, created a whole theology out of one text, and it has messed up a lot of people, and we know what we need to do, but unfortunately we have not experienced the power to do what we need to do. But we can do it to God's love and power. What do you say? Amen? 
So this morning we're going to discover what the Word of God says and the Spirit of Prophet says about forgiveness. And when we are able to forgive, then we're able to reconcile, restore relationships of brothers and sisters, parents and children, husbands and wives. And God will do a miracle within His church. What do you say? Amen? Amen. So let's look at the next text. Turn me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Same chapter. How are we truly forgiven? Notice the Bible says here. The Bible says, this is the prayer. It says, and forgive us our debts. What is the next two words? As we forgive our debtors. Not because, but as we. Okay, so as, as we're forgiving people, God forgives us as in the process as we're forgiving. Now you're going to see this come um, to light a little bit more and further on. Now, Look at this quotation in your handout. Notice what it says here. This is from Christ's Object Lessons 251. Inspiration says, We are not forgiven because we forgive. What do you say? Amen? Amen. Let me say it again because it may be new to a lot of you. We are not forgiven because we forgive. But notice what it says. But what? As we forgive. Not as a reward, but in the process, when we do it, we retain the forgiveness that's something ha- that we already experienced. And we're going to explain that a little bit more. Okay, now turn to me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. How are we to forgive others? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Let's see what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. How are we to forgive? Notice the Bible says. The Bible says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has what? Forgiving you. So in other words, we are to forgive as what? Only what? God has what? Forgiven us. In other words, we cannot forgive unless we have first experienced the forgiveness from God first. What do you say? Amen? Yeah. In other words, if you just to tell someone, you need to forgive that person, and the person going to say, yeah, I know, I need to forgive. I tried so hard and I failed. How many of you ever tried to forgive and it failed in your life? Maybe could it be that maybe we have a misunderstanding of what Scripture is really saying. God is saying that you cannot give that which you do not possess. What do you say? Amen? Yeah. In other words, humanly of your own self and works, you cannot forgive people. God is saying to you, your own works, the old covenant experience, all that God says in forgiveness, I will do. You cannot do. What do you say, amen? And the new covenant experience, God wants to write his law of love upon your heart, and he will give you forgiveness. In other words, it's not an intellectual understanding, oh God, you forgive me. Oh, please forgive me. And then going on saying, I need to forgive people, but it's not happening. I've talked to so many people. I know it's not happening out there. People are not being able to forgive. Why? Because they have not experienced the forgiveness from God that we all need to experience. I want that this morning. How about you? Amen? I want it to be real. I don't want it to be intellectual knowledge. I want it to be experienced in my heart as we're going to study in this story soon. So look at your handout again. Look at that quotation again. Notice what it says here. And I felt it's, it's pretty clear. It says, We are not forgiven because we forgive, but as we forgive. Then it says, 
The ground of all forgiveness is found in the unmerited what? Love of God. So forgiveness and love are connected, right? Notice what this next statement says here. But by our attitude toward others, we show whether we have made that love our own. What do you say, amen? In other words, if you can forgive, you know what that reveals? That reveals that you have experienced God's love and forgiveness within your life first. What do you say, amen? And you cannot forgive unless you experience that forgiveness from God first. I don't care how hard you try. I don't know how many times you read those texts in the Bible that says that you need to forgive. It doesn't matter how strong your willpower is. Unless you have an experience of forgiveness from God, you will never forgive. And I've seen that happen over and over and over again. And people get discouraged and disheartened. Homes break up. Marriages fail. Parents and children don't talk to one another. Brothers and sisters ignore one another. Why? Because they have not experienced or maybe they have not even seen the true biblical model what true forgiveness is all about. And I want to see that in our homes because when our homes are right, as Brother Lemon brought up last night, the churches will be right. What do you say? Amen? Amen. So let's turn me to our story. Turn me to uh, in Matthew chapter 18 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness. And then when Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness, what parable did Jesus then share? Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Notice the Bible says, Jesus said, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one of them brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. So here's a king, and he had his servants. We're told inspiration, that's his officers. They came to him. He was actually settling accounts with all his, his workers, all his officers. And as he was setting accounts, there's one person that came forward, his officer, and he owed 10,000 talents. Now, one talent was based upon weight, was 75 pounds. And it could have been gold or silver. But I'm going to share later on, I believe it was gold, because it was a lot more. And if it was gold, it came out to $19 billion. Now, that's a lot of money, right? Now, how many here can actually pay back this debt of $19 billion? Let me see your hand. <laughs> I mean, I cannot, right? I mean, that's a lot of money. And so here this servant, he owed this much money, and he owed more than his life, more than all of us could earn in our whole lifetime. Now look at verse 25. What happened next? Notice what the Bible says. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Now, the law required that if he couldn't pay it, then you have to sell your family, your wife, your children, yourself, and you have to pay the debt off. Now, could this servant pay according to this Bible? Could he pay? He could not pay, right? That's what the Bible says. So he could not pay. In other words, and also, was this, was this officer honest, you think? Or do you think he was guilty? Do you think he had kind of accidentally misplaced $19 billion, you think? 
There's no way, right? So he was guilty. In other words, this man had robbed $19 billion from the federal government and he deserved to go to jail, right? What do you say, huh? So he was guilty of all he did. And notice what happened next. Look at verse 26. Most of the officers said, The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. So what was he asking for? He was asking his, he was asking his, his king to what? Have mercy upon me, right? Patience upon me. Lord, please, in a sense, forgive me for what I've done, right? Please forgive me. And, but what did he say? He said that, have patience with me and, and what? I will what? Could he pay it all? Because it said, the Bible says right before, he could not pay it off. But did he believe he could pay it off? Did he believe he could pay it off? Yes, he did. In other words, could we say that he was self-deceived? Could we say that? In his mind, he believed that he could pay this debt off. That's what he believed really in his heart and his mind. In the same way, do you think it's possible that we could be self-deceived into thinking that we're pretty good moral people and thus we are able to pay back or earn at least a portion of our salvation through what we do? Could that be possible? You see, in the same way, all of us have sinned and we're in debt to the King of Kings for our sins, are we not? We brought to the King to settle our accounts for Him and yet we've all sinned and we all deserve to, to die. But if some of us think that we can ask for forgiveness and at the same time we can work off at least part of our debts in recognition that I've done something to earn my salvation. In other words, we want to take glory away from the Lamb of God, from the, the cross, the sacrifice He's done for us, and we want to take that glory for ourselves and boast in what we've done. Beloved, we need to boast in the Lamb of Jesus Christ. What do you say, amen? And not what self can do. But the Word of God says we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And some of us are boasting sometimes about even how high our standards are. Some of us boast even about how much intellectual knowledge we know about our doctrines and prophecy. Some of us boast about all the things that we do to help our God in His work. But beloved, there is only one thing we need to boast, and that is the cross of Calvary. What do you say? Amen? Amen. For that is the power of the gospel in my life and your life. Amen. Beloved, there's nothing you can never do to add to the cross of Calvary. When you think that you need to add or take some part in earning your salvation, you end up not appreciating the goodness of the cross. Amen. And Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, it is the goodness of God that leads you to what? Uh, without the goodness of God's love, you will never truly repent. We need God's true repentance. I want to see His goodness this morning. What do you say? Amen? Amen. So look at your hand out there. So I want you to notice it says, when you have received the forgiveness of God in your life, guess what? We are able to forgive. What do you say? Amen? Amen. But the opposite is also true. We have, when we have not received forgiveness, we are not able to forgive. It doesn't matter how much times you, you've heard the truth. It doesn't matter how much you believe this truth is to be true. It doesn't matter how many times you hear it in a sermon or reading your Bible. If you have not experienced forgiveness, true to experience, not intellectually know, you know, I need to forgive and God forgives me. But if you have not experienced forgiveness, that is the reason why you cannot forgive. 
And even if you tried the hardest you could, you could never forgive if you have never experienced forgiveness. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? I'm going to say it again because I know every time I explain to people one-on-one, it takes a while to get out of the old way of thinking that, you know, I need to do something and then God forgives me because I forgive. You can never forgive someone truly unless you experience the forgiveness of God in your heart. What do you say? Amen? What happened? I want to... uh, Continue on in our study in verse 27. Notice the Bible says, Then the Lord, notice what happened next, the king, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the what? He forgave him. So, okay, now here's the servant. He asked the king, look, give me time and I'm going to earn my way and I'm going to gain this forgiveness by my work. Right? I'm going to pay it all back. But in spite of the servant saying to his king, saying, I'm going to earn this way, I'm going to earn my way, what did the king still say? What did he say to him? He said, I forgive you all. In other words, you cannot earn. You owe $19 billion. You could never pay back the debt. It is impossible possible for you to earn anything. It's a free gift for me. And he said, that, therefore... I want you to experience that the whole debt was covered. The whole debt. Well, I, want you, I want to ask you this question. Do you think, now this servant, did he hear the words you're forgiven freely? Did he hear those words? Did he hear the words that you're forgiven 100%? But do you think this servant, did he hear the messages and the sermons and the Bible studies about being forgiven all the way 100%? Did he hear it? But when he went out, did he really believe it? He, what did he believe? He could do something, right? Now, his belief affected his actions in the end. Notice what happens next in the story. Look at the Bible says in verse 28. The Bible says, But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, his fellow officers, which owed him a hundred pence. Now, a hundred pence, one pence is one day's wage. Now, check it out in the United States of America. The average person earns $155 a day. So 100 pence, it comes out to $15,500. So let's say $15,000. This is still a good sum of money, right? Is it not? So, I mean, $15,000, I mean, I would love to have $15,000 just fall on my lap. Right? <laughs> just thinking of all the things I could do with it. And so this is not a little money. But is it compared to $19 billion, right? Well, look, at the, look at the Spirit Prophecy quotation in your handout. In your handout, you will notice that inspiration says 10,000 talents to 100 pence, and she says it's nearly a ratio of 1 million to 1. So I kind of figured it out. It had to be gold, I felt. 19 billion to 15,000 is very close to um, 1 million to 1 ratio. So now the officer finds another officer, and it goes on in that text. And it says here, he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me that you owe. So he grabbed the guy by the throat, and he said, you pay me what you owe me. And verse 29 says, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee what? Does that sound familiar? Uh, it's almost like a test. God allowed it, right? 
Like he, in other words, it's almost like he went away and he was saying, like, yes, I believe in your forgiveness. Yes, um, intellectually, I understand fully forgiveness. And I heard you say, King, that I am forgiven all. And yet the test is coming to reveal, the test is to reveal whether you have actually received that forgiveness or not. And by you, your actions, it will reveal whether, it's actually going to show whether you will retain that forgiveness or you will actually reveal that you never had it all along. Are you seeing forgiveness in a different way this morning? Verse 30, notice the Bible says here. And he would not, went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. He took the servant, threw him into prison till he paid it all. Look what happened in 31 to 35. And the Bible says, So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave you all that, all that debt because you desired me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, what, even what, as I had what, pity on thee. There it is again, right? In other words, what the king was saying to the servant was, you're a wicked servant, not because I'm asking you to do something that is right. No, he said, the only reason why you're a wicked servant is because I had forgiven you. In other words, I'm only asking you to do what I have already given to you. In other words, I'm not asking you to do the impossible. I'm only asking you, you cannot give that which you do not have. And I'm giving you, I gave you that forgiveness. You have the forgiveness, but did you experience it? And if you haven't experienced it in your heart, it's being revealed right now what you're doing to your fellow servant. Beloved, do you see that what we have experienced or not experienced is affecting how we relate one to another? In other words, our relationship with God is not just based upon God forgive me every day, but it's actually God to realize how much God has forgiven us. And our understanding of righteousness in my faith will affect our appreciation for how much we love God. If we think that God does a lot and we do a little, we're going to think that, hey, I worked some part, therefore I'm not going to really appreciate that forgiveness because I did something for it. If I did something for that forgiveness, then hey, that next person that owes me $15,000, he needs to do something too for it in order to appease me also. goes on in the story, verse 34, And the Lord was angry, wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. You know, God wants us to experience forgiveness. Turn me to 1 John 4, verse 20 in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 4. In your Bible, verse 20. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. What are we? We say we love God, but we hate our brothers and sisters. Notice the Bible says here. The Bible says, If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a what? Liar. Liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, 
How can he love God whom he has not seen? If we say we love God, but we hate others, we are liars. And even worse than that, not only that, but if we hate others, then that in reality reveals that we really don't love God. And we can say all we want, God, I love you. We can sing, we love God, all we want. But if by our actions we're not forgiving, you know, I've learned a lot in, in my own um, relationship with God and also my walk with God, that, you know, it's much easier to change my diet than it is to forgive someone that has hurt me. It's much easier to change the way I dress than it is to forgive somebody who hates me. To me, that's a true test. And that's the test, you know, when I deal with members or I do visitation, that's what I go to. I mean, I like to, it's nice to hear the good things and how God's changing the outside, and I praise God for that. But I like to go to the heart issues. I don't like, like want to see where you're really at. I want to see if your Christianity is real. You can fake it on the outside. You can look good. But I want to go on the inside. I want to go what's in your mind. I want to know what's really going on in your heart. And I want to see what's going on. Have you really experienced forgiveness? Have you really given that forgiveness? Are you experiencing really heart change? Or are we just going to the motions? Does everyone pretend that we're, we're spiritual and we're doing good? I want to share with you a story of forgiveness about my dad. Before I was converted, I didn't care about anyone else but myself. And people didn't like me too bad. I felt I was just, I thought I was, I thought I was just too cool to even care. That's what I used to think. I was just crazy. And so my dad, I didn't really care. You know, my dad and I, would grow, I grew up in a home where my dad was an alcoholic. And we weren't raised Christian. And my dad used to come home, and not only alcohol, but very abusive. Emotionally, mentally, physically abusive. But especially to my older brothers and sisters. We didn't have it so bad because my dad was already changing when we were younger. Because my mom began to go to church. So God was working in his heart. But I come to the point that I, had, I was bitter against my dad. I hated my dad. And those people here that are hurt also because of how your parents treated you. You know how your parents treat you is going to affect you for the rest of your life. Recently, an 80-year-old man came up to me. I made an appeal for healing. An 80-year-old man walked down the aisle. And I prayed with him after. And you know what he said to me? He said... My dad divorced me when I was seven years old. Can you imagine someone 80 years old walking around with that pain, that wound in his heart for 73 years? Can you imagine that? Going to church, extremely active, and yet on the outside looking very good and the inside he's in pain, holding that bitterness and hurt for 73 years of unforgiveness. Can you imagine That's what was holding my heart. And so I was at pain, I was hurting, and I was angry at my dad. I didn't understand forgiveness. And then my God began to work in my family. My mom came in through miracles. But then my dad still used to go to parties and drink, and he's a, he smashed so many of our cars, this is unbelievable. And God protected him. 
Then one day he drove, he took my brother's sports car, and he came, went to a party, and one night he was driving home, and he got into a car accident, and this was the most serious one. He flew out of the car, pinned under the car, the car wrapped around the telephone pole, and the blessed thing is that it happened right in front of the hospital. <laughs> they said they got him out, and if it wasn't in front of the hospital, he would have died instantly. They said they brought him to the, the emergency room, and my mom came down. He was upside down because he had lost so much blood. They had to get the blood and the oxygen to his brain so they wouldn't lose any more brain cells. And it was at that point he said, he said, God, you know, those moments that God, I'm giving my life to you. He quit everything, drinking, smoking. I mean, God worked a miracle in his life. He had changed. He got baptized when I was a senior in high school. God is good. What do you say? Amen. God's working. But you know, when I'm 18, I've seen, I lived a different lifestyle, and I'm 18, I see my dad got changed, and I'm still bitter, but it was time I, I left home at 18, went away to college, and I still kind of want to have my own fun, you know, that kind of thinking. So I went away, and then I went, lived my life for a few years. I did my own thing, and I got very worldly, and then I had a life-transforming experience, and God changed my heart. And when God changed my heart, God started to work in me, and then I went, God called me later on to a mission trip. They called me to, I went to Weimar College, and God called me to pastor ministry. And then after pastor ministry, I, uh, I felt God had really, I've experienced that forgiveness that God had wanted me to experience in my heart. And I want to experience that, and I want to share that with my dad. I knew that I needed to come home. And you know the miracle is that? I came back and I got hired in the same island that my parents live. I mean, this is a miracle. So here I'm pastoring, and I was able to visit my dad. So I went home, and my, my home was always a place where the TV was always on. Have you ever had homes like that? The TV is always on? It's almost like you need the, the TV to go to sleep or whatever, you know, to have the food digest or whatever it is, right? <laughs> so here I am, the TV's on, and after a while, I said, you know, I said, turn off that TV. There's something about peace, yeah? yeah? And within that peace, God started to work. And I said, like, at first it was, you know, there's something I noticed that when you're so used to watching TV and movies, you know what happens to your relationships? You realize that you're in a home. I realized when I came home, I had nothing in common with my family. I had nothing in common with my brothers and sisters. I had nothing in common with my parents. I thought I knew them. We knew each other when we were watching like basketball or whatever, but that was very superficial and shallow. But to sit down and talk, you know, in Hawaii we call it talk story, and to sit down and talk and get to know each other, we didn't even know each other. And so, I mean, really deep heart issues. So then I began to talk to my dad. And, you know, after a while, it turned to, you know, five minutes, turned to half an hour, turned to an hour, you know, turned to two hours. And my dad and I would talk for like three, four hours straight. I mean, just talking. I mean, it's just beautiful. And God was working in our relationship. And God was teaching me about the beauty of reconciliation. And one of the things my um, God, my dad would also say, always say, he always used to say to me, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world, but he loses his soul? My dad, as maybe many of you, is very much into education. And he really pushed it. You know, as a minister, you know, in the world, they don't really look as ministers as a great big deal, right? But then my dad was saying to me, I know he's saying to me that, you know, 
as a minister? What does it profit if you gain the whole world with all the prestige and degrees, popularity, but you don't have Christ? My dad and I reconciled. And God had taught me and my dad a beauty of reconciliation. And to this day, I'm so glad that God reconciled us. And as my dad rests in peace, waiting for that trumpet to sound, I look forward to being reunited with him to be with Jesus forever. What do you say? Amen? God can work miracles in our lives of reconciliation, of forgiveness, if we truly understand the true way and experience it in our hearts. Turn me to Matthew chapter 25 in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 25, verse 45. Matthew 25, verse 45. When we treat others wrong, who in reality are we treating? Matthew chapter 25, verse 45. Notice what it says. Then shall you answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to who? In other words, how we treat others reveals how we treat Christ. In other words, whether we love or hate others reveals whether we love or hate God. True? When I first began pastoring 13 years ago, and I guess I was on fire, and I, my method back then was more fire and brimstone, you know, God's love was really not so much into it. And um, I'm going to share this afternoon one of my testimony, one of the churches I was at. And that church, I just, I, I just preached it hard. And um, they, they ended up hating me. They really hated me because, and, but I felt justified because I knew I was right from the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. So I knew I could give it to them, right? And so they hated me. And when I got a chance to leave that church, I was so excited. So I left that church. They gave me an option to leave. That was, that was uh, 10 years ago I left that church. You know what happened two years ago? God put me back in that same church. <laughs> you know, they allow pastors to choose where to go. Do you know that now? But this one, because of the economy, it was a rare, odd thing. And God, I still had one church, and it took one church away. I had two churches. Took one church away and rotated me around and gave me that same church back again. God taught me your forgiveness. I'm going to share that this afternoon. But the conference also, they didn't like what I was doing. We were doing a lot of things in our churches. God at work, we did tent meetings. We were just um, preaching. We brought evangelists in. Um, we brought Bible workers. And God, you know, the church we were at, they're going to shut down that church. Two conference presidents are going to shut it down. God revived that church for what we're doing in spite of what I knew back then. I mean, God is merciful. What do you say, Amen. And they were working, and God worked miracles. And then I had experiences, you know, the conference president, they were very support, the administration was very supportive of what I was doing back then. And then a change came. There was one incident where a church board member, she claimed that she was a prophetess of God. And so she was claiming that she was writing these spiritual things, and members started to believe her and follow her. There's this an old-time member that was there before I even got there. And so we're, are they, okay, wait, this is, I mean, this needs to be dealt with. There's sin in the camp. I need to deal with this situation. I need to stop it right away. So I dealt with this person, and this, people were saying that they, she had out-of-body experiences, and she had supernatural voices coming out of her mouth where people said, I know her voice. That was not her voice. So 
I'm dealing with this situation. So we called meetings. We had to deal with discipline. And then we called a business, church business meeting that we're going to call to have a discipline. Now, we don't hear too much about discipline anymore, right? <coughs> so we called for discipline. And then when I was about to have the business meeting, I got, I got a call from my conference president. And he told me that I, I'm not going to have that business meeting and to call it off. And I asked, what, what is the reason that you want to shut this off? Why do you want to stop me? He would not give me a reason. He said, you just need to stop it and not do it at all. I said, wait, I have all the evidence. You know, by the way, I still have the evidence. I have all the papers. I have all the documents. I even have voicemail messages recorded of what she said. I still have them today. He said, that's okay. I don't, I don't care. You're not going to have that business meeting. I guess in my young, fiery stage, I said, I'm still going to have that business meeting. And he said, well, I'm going to come and I'm going to stop you personally, he told me. And I said, I'm going to see you there. And we hung up. <laughs> you know, I'm shaking in return. <laughs> and so the conference president, the administration did not like me at all. They hated me. They tried to get rid of me. They tried to move me. They tried to, um, just try to move me to another church. I remember one time when the conference president came to our church for a meeting, and this, he's going to say, I'm, he said, I'm coming here to tell you that we're going to move Pastor Keala, move him out to another place. And people came not only from my church, but I know a lot of people from the whole island because I was born and raised on that island. So a lot of the people from all the other churches came out to that church. And the whole church was full. And they're all standing up and defending. And that time, actually, I was working with Peter Gregory. And he had a school there, and we're working together. And he also, Peter, Peter also say that every time it seemed like it was going to close down, God worked a miracle and it got even bigger. Amen. And he said, tell me that every time I look at it, God, it got even smaller, it got even bigger. And God worked miracles. And so here it was, and he was trying to get rid of me, and everyone speaking for it, and God worked a miracle. And finally he said, okay, you all win. Pastor Keala can stay. And they all erupted in a in cheer in that church. And God worked a miracle. And I see miracle after miracle and after miracle. And after I just waited, and then they pulled my ordination. They wouldn't ordain me. They went against even policy because they didn't want me to be ordained. You know, ordination is a big thing to pastors. And so I was here, I was like, I felt unjustified that I was mistreated and I was hurt, I was bitter, I was angry at how I felt the church was treating me. As I felt out all I wanted to do was serve God and this is how they're treating me and the anger and resentment began to build up within me. And all I had was anger for the church. And that spilled out also into my relationships as it always does. Then God worked miracles. He began to move one administrator away after the other. And then a new president came. He saw that I was mistreated. I have a fellow, I'm serving, I serve on the Hawaii Conference Executive Committee. There's another person on the Executive Committee saw that what was being done was wrong. He went to the new president and told him what had happened. Within a few months, I was on the path to ordination. And I was ordained five years ago. Praise God. And now I've seen God working miracles. And finally, God had moved everyone away except for one person. And this person, administrator, was probably the worst administrator I've ever experienced. 
He was worse, I felt, than even the conference president. And every time I saw him, it's kind of like he felt like you go to work and there's a boss that you don't like. And you go to work and he used to always, every time I see him, I used to cringe and used to hurt. You know, at that time I experienced, um, I used to grind my teeth when I used to sleep and I used to crack and the pieces used to fall off. You know what to think about in the last days? The weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) (laughs) That's my experience. It was so intense at that time. I had bitterness growing and anger. And here's this one administrator. And finally, God worked a miracle with this administrator. And this is what happened. He did not leave. I prayed that he would leave. But God has shared with me that he's my thorn in my flesh. And I felt I need to be content. And God gave me contentment. And when I got contentment, God began to work. And so the ordination, final examination, they call it. I sat before this committee. He was there. And after that, God really moved in that meeting. After that committee, committee meeting, he followed me outside. And he said, Kiala, I want to say I'm sorry because I realized that I misjudged you all these years. Yeah. And that was the beginning of our relationship. God was working reconciliation. That was almost five years ago. And our relationship began to grow and to grow and to grow. And then three years ago, he came to visit us, in the, me in the field. And then we were talking about these ulu trees. And ulu is a breadfruit tree in Hawaii. They're very popular but very hard to find because there's no seed. It has to be from baby shoots. And I said, I've always wanted an ulu tree. And he said, Keala, if you ever find an ulu tree, I want to buy it for you. I said, I thought he was joking. I said, okay, sure. You know, two days later, I got a call from the nursery that said they had an ulu tree for me, waiting for me. And I realized that two years ago, before that time, I had put in an order for an ulu tree. It took years, two years, and they finally called me. So here was... I was like, okay. And I, when they called me, I said, you know, how much is it? And they said, $40. I said, um, I don't think so. So I hung up. They said, are you sure? Before I hung up, she's, um, she's, I asked, she said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. And she said, this is the last one. And I said, yeah. So I hung up. Then I remember the administrator said, here, buy it for me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm going to call him up. So I um, called him up and he said, yeah, go ahead. So I thought you were joking. He said, no, I'm not joking. Go ahead and buy it. So I went ahead and I bought it. Um, he delivered the money to the conference president to me, and he gave me the, um, the check. I was so excited. <laughs> then a week later, he called, um, he called me. This was my worst enemy. He called me and said, Kiala, I want to come and I want to plant that tree with you. He, now, the conference office is on another island. In other words, he's I have a meeting next week, so he's going to fly over to the next the next week to this, to this uh, my island, and he has he had a meeting in Hilo. He had to drive the corner. In other words, he's going to go two hours two hours out of his way to come to my property and to plant a tree. My heart is beating, right? Anytime I don't know if you understand, but as a pastor, any administrator comes to your house is like your heart is beating. So he's coming to my house, and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I, you know, I like to follow Ellen White's method of planting fruit trees, right? So it's a lot of work. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Okay, what I, I'll get the shovel, and I'll actually I'll prep the whole ground for him so everything can be all ready. So all I had to do is like symbolically put it in, and we can kind of <laughs> plant it together, right? <laughs> but you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, nah, I'm going to make him work. <laughs> So he came and I'm, okay, let's, uh, let's plan. So he came, he changed into his jeans. He came, he changed his jeans, went out together. 
we dug the hole, you know, three feet, put in the rocks, compost, build it up, and then we put it, plant it together. And then I said to him, you know what ulu means in Hawaiian? You know, Hawaii words have meaning. You know what ulu means in Hawaiian? He goes, no. I said, ulu means growth. I said, may this be the symbol of our growth of our friendship. God was working with forgiveness in my heart for the bitterness I had. God worked a miracle in our life, in my life with him. And God continues to work miracles in my life. And God is good. You know, God wants to teach me this lesson, the power to forgive and heal relationships. And this is a lesson that God's been teaching me over and over and over again. I want you to look at the handout we have right over there that you're holding. Note that the Spirit prophecy says in Desire of Ages, page 505. Desire of Ages, page 505. Inspiration says, For the Spirit we manifest toward our brethren declares what is our spirit toward God. What do you say? Amen? In other words, whatever spirit we have toward our brothers or sisters that reveals what is our spirit that we have toward God. In other words, if we hate our brothers and sisters, beloved, then that reveals that we hate God. And we can pretend all we want, we can look out the part all we want, we can go to church all we want, you can read the Bible all you want. But if you have the spirit of anger, resentment, and bitterness against your brother and sister, if your own spouse in your own home, your own mother, your own father, your own wife or your husband, if you have any resentment or silent treatment or anger is within, that means that you are angry and bitter and hate God. And God wants to take that and God wants to heal it. And that is true religion, beloved. What do you say, amen? amen. And he wants to heal you. But you have to realize your need of Jesus Christ. Amen. It doesn't matter how much we profess to love God. It doesn't matter how much we stand up for present truth. It doesn't matter how much we understand the doctrines of prophecy. Live up to the high standards. If you do not have that love for one another, and if you hate God, then you have not experienced true religion in your heart. Amen. I want that in my heart. How about you? Amen? Amen. This weekend, we're focusing on the family. I came to the conclu conclusion in my ministry that the family is the root cause of the problems in the churches. It's the challenges that's happening all around. If, it, if the family is right, the church is going to be right. Everything stands back in the home. But even the home depends upon you this morning. It depends upon your ability to forgive, your ability to release the bitterness and anger, the hurt, coming from a divorced home the pain of a father who was never there for you the wounds of a mother who always criticized you that is true religion when you heal from those what do you say amen and God wants to bring healing to all of us I want this forgiveness how about you if this is your desire would you kneel with me for prayer Father, we want this love of Jesus in our hearts.
We don't just want a mere intellectual assent, but we want a true experience. Father, we pray that whatever is shared this whole weekend, the words will grip our hearts and that we have a full surrender and experience with you. And Lord, may we experience the forgiveness that we may give this forgiveness to others. Lord, change our views on forgiveness and the Lord help us to experience this forgiveness. Lord, may we take away the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the anger, the resentment, that we may reveal the love of a God who loves us and that our, the character of Christ may be perfectly reproduced within us. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.